This is a public health announcement brought to you by Heather Shepard. The Primal Pioneer. Live an outdoor life. This is the Primal Pioneer Podcast a show dedicated to helping you achieve optimal health by making radical lifestyle, dietary, and environmental shifts to support forward movement with your health. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, medical health practitioner, gut health specialist, and homeopathic doctor in training. When I was 23 years old, I suffered a TBI, traumatic brain injury, and this shifted my life from being a super athletic type A kind of person to being sidelined from physical activity. And this happened for nearly 12 years. I tried every modality under the sun, desperately yearning, trying, hoping to get better. It wasn't until I stepped outside of the conventional medical model and even much of the alternative medical model that I saw real lasting progress with my health. After 12 grueling years of searching for my cure, I finally achieved my version of optimal health by deep diving into the areas of the body, particularly the mitochondria and emotional energetics that most notably affect and impact our health. Today, I help thousands of people overcome both acute and chronic ailments using my nature and science-based radical approach to health, which targets the most important yet most overlooked aspects of health and wellness. During this episode of The Primal Pioneer, I talk about some super important topics related to gut health that are often misunderstood. Candida overgrowth and kombucha in particular will be topics that I covered during this episode. I'll also talk about how drinking too much kombucha fuels candida overgrowth. I talk about healthy ways to drink kombucha, what to consider before drinking this gut health promoted beverage. I talk about gut health and the gut microbiome. I talk about specific strains of uh, bacteria in the gut microbiome and how they can fuel our health and how they can compromise our health. I discuss probiotics. Are they a good idea? Are they a bad idea? What about fermented foods? We get into that. I talk about how acute illnesses and Epstein-Barr and prescription drugs can set the stage for candida overgrowth. And of course, you know, I cannot talk about gut health without mentioning the vital role of sunlight when it comes to the integrity of the gut microbiome. So if you're ready to get your mind blown when it comes to learning more about the gut microbiome, kombucha, and candida overgrowth, then let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 29. Today, I'm sharing about a topic that is about one of the most popularized fermented fizzy drinks today, that being kombucha. Most people know what kombucha is. It's become super popular. It's a probiotic-rich drink that has really became most well-known here in the States, at least, by a company called GT Dave's Kombucha. And so kombucha started to really gain popularity uh, since GT Dave's Kombucha started to come onto the market and is available in not only health food stores, but a lot of grocery stores here in the States. But there's a lot to this story. And just to give you a little bit of background before we dive into the, the full layers of the kombucha story, um, because there's a lot of strings attached here to the gut microbiome, to how it's produced, to is it even a healthy beverage, are the health claims really accurate? Let's take a look at the just like a uh, 30 second history of kombucha so you can get a little context here because it's not just a beverage that was discovered by GT Dave's or other any other modern kombucha company. It's actually a pretty ancient beverage that first, at least what the the literature shows is that it was first consumed in parts of Russia and Asia as a health beverage. And so, but it made its way over here to the States and um, grew in popularity and now is available on all of our grocery store shelves. So I just want to be really clear that for any of you out there who 
drink kombucha, there can be some very positive health effects from drinking kombucha. And um, it isn't necessarily a detrimental aspect to one's health and gut microbiome. However, it can be. And there's some really important things to take in mind and consider and to just gain some foundational understanding around before diving into you know, all the claims that are going on around kombucha and what all the labels say is really important to be informed before just going head first because it can actually be quite detrimental to our gut flora. It can contribute to inflammation levels. And one of the big things is that it feeds candida overgrowth. So why is this uh, occurring, I'm going to get into this, but one main reason, unlike the ancient practice of kombucha drinking, where they brewed a homemade fermented beverage and they consumed it in great moderation. Okay, we go into the store and we buy these big bottles of kombucha and we're drinking a bottle, two bottles. Literally, some people who contact me, um, struggling with candida overgrowth or yeast overgrowth. They're like, well, I've increased my kombucha consumption because they want to get beneficial microbes into their gut. And they think this is the answer to overcoming things like candida overgrowth. And it's so well-intentioned. We're just misinformed and misled when it comes to how to really improve the health of our gut microbiome. And we particularly do not want to be drinking kombucha if we struggle with yeast or candida overgrowth, and I'll get into some of those symptoms uh, throughout the episode, but literally we're drinking way too much of this uh, in general, and whereas the ancients who brewed their own kombucha literally would drink like a shot glass or two a day, and this would, from what I've read and uh, inquired, was even had a seasonal approach. There was some times of the year where, you know, this drinking kombucha was more pronounced than other times of the year. So we have to really check ourselves when it comes to the kombucha we're drinking, how much we're drinking, because even if you don't have candida overgrowth, even if you don't struggle with a yeast overgrowth condition, you can create this situation if you drink too much kombucha, or we can say that about any fermented beverage, but when it comes to candida overgrowth and yeast overgrowth, kombucha will definitely feed that as well as water kefirs. And I'll talk about why here in just a few minutes, but during this episode, I'm going to talk about why kombucha may not be a healthy option for modern people, how and why it contributes to candida overgrowth and a compromised gut microbiome. And how your past health and, and prescription use history largely influences how your body and gut microbiome responds to fermented foods like kombucha. So basically, I just want to dissolve any myths right here up front that just because you're eating something that's promoted as a health food or that contains beneficial bacteria doesn't actually mean that it's going to act beneficially in your body. So let's dive into this topic so you can start supporting your gut health and overall health in holistic and effective ways, right? That is the whole goal with these episodes I share with you all, for you to become more empowered and informed around your health and food and diet and sunlight choices. So to start with, let's explore how and why kombucha may be disrupting the health of your gut microbiome as well as your overall health. Now, to do so, we need to take a look at how kombucha is made. And this is really simple. There's not a lot to it. It's made by using a scooby. A scooby is also commonly referred to as a mushroom. And this is a culture starter, right? You need a culture starter. You need um, this start that's filled with, it's teeming with all these different microbes, right? And this ignites the fermentation process. It's what allows the fermentation to occur in your kombucha probiotic drink, right? Now, 
to make kombucha, all you need is literally the scooby or the mushroom. You need sugar, tea, and water. Now, the scooby, in order to turn your kombucha into a fermented drink, it feeds off of the sugar, turning it into bacteria. So don't think that you're going to be drinking a whole load of sugar when you're drinking your kombucha because those who actually brew it correctly and uh, mindfully, they will brew it long enough where the sugar is mostly fermented out. So you're not left with this huge dose of sugar. A lot of kombuchas that, that I look at and I used to drink a lot of kombucha. I was a kombucha addict uh, several years ago, and it wasn't a good thing. I really struggled with that. My gut health struggled, and I was more inflamed. I would get these weird rashes on my elbows and, and knees, and it's because I was eating, getting too much yeast. As soon as I cut kombucha out, the rashes went away, and uh, my stool was much healthier, and so I bring this up because I invite you to bring more attention to actually how you feel and what happens in your body when you add a new food into your diet. Because just because it's promoted as a health food, right, doesn't mean it's our body's going to treat it that way. So we really want to pay attention to our body and how it responds to food and different foods when we eat it. A lot of people are bringing more attention to this. There's a lot of different things going on out there with regard to how the body's responding to food. We've got the whole lectin story. We've got the whole histamine story. And now we have things like fermented foods that are literally causing some negative health effects and responses in certain populations, in certain people. So we just want to bring more attention to what we eat and how we feel and if something shows up in our body. So, you know, literally there were at least a year went by when I would on and off get these little like itchy patches on my knees, on my kneecaps, and then on my elbows. And when I look back, this was correlated to drinking kombucha. And I was also drinking a lot of water kefir at that time. I was making my own water kefir. And so uh, these two beverages, as soon as I, I stopped drinking them, those things literally went away and my digestion cleared up. So, you know, this might not look the same exact way in you. You might not have like the rashes on your elbows and knees, but it may show up in a different way. And I'll outline uh, throughout this episode what that might look like for you. But the whole key here is just to bring more of your attention to what shows up in your body physically, emotionally, mentally, after you eat something, okay? So uh, when it comes to kombucha, the, the scooby, it feeds off of the sugar. And so this is what creates all of the beneficial bacteria in your beverage, okay? The longer the kombucha is fermenting, the less sugar is going to be in the final product. Now you can take this too far and then it just completely turns into alcohol. So there's really a fine line and a balance here. That's why kombucha making on your own can be a little bit of a science and can take some time to really get a brew that tastes good, is low on sugar and hasn't turned all the way to alcohol. So if you're making your own kombucha or if you have in the past, know that it's a little bit of a tricky business and can take several tries before you really, you know, nail it, so to speak, when it comes to your final kombucha product. So literally the brewing process can take several days to a week to several weeks. And ideally the end product is super low in sugar and rich in probiotics. And like I was saying, typically the kombuchas that I see in the store, it's like, Okay, it doesn't have as much sugar as, you know, like a Coca-Cola or a Mountain Dew or, or other sodas, but the sugar content's high. It's, it's pretty high. It's not something that I would say, oh, that's a, a health-promoting beverage. Honestly, if I were to, if I were to rate kombucha, um, <laughs> it would be pretty low on the health scale for many reasons, particularly the commercial brands due to a lot of different things, which I'll continue to uncover here. So if you're totally feeling heartbroken 
right now about, oh man, I love kombucha. I've been drinking it for years. Uh, I've been thinking I've been doing a really positive thing for my health by drinking kombucha. I totally get it. I've been there. I've tried different health things throughout my life that I thought were healthy and that I actually learned later were not. So if you're curious, like how might your kombucha drinking be impacting your health? Here's some pitfalls. First and foremost, the biggest thing here that we need to know is that the Scooby is composed of yeast forming bacteria. So the primary bacteria found in that Scooby that turns the sugar into bacteria are yeast based. Okay. So what you're going to have in your final product is a bunch of beneficial bacteria that are yeast based. Okay. So these are yeast driven microbes. Now, even though the yeast in the Scooby and your kombucha are beneficial yeasts, if you have an overgrowth of yeast in your body, and what might this look like? Okay, we have candida overgrowth, we have yeast infections, vaginal infections, uh, many forms of acne are actually, uh, they actually feed off of yeast and are yeast-based. If you have any of these things, these are the most prominent symptoms and pathologies that if you drink kombucha, these situations will literally get worse. This is what I found anyway. Now, I want to emphasize that our gut microbiomes are designed to be these diverse, vast landscapes teeming with many different strains of beneficial bacteria. And this includes yeast, okay? So for example, candida is a beneficial yeast to have in the gut microbiome. However, the issue starts and the problem start is when this candida grows, okay? It, it gets to elevated levels. This is what's considered to be the infamous candida overgrowth situation that literally thousands and I would even say due to our modern diets, millions of people today struggle with candida overgrowth. And most people don't even know it. They don't recognize that their symptoms and what they're experiencing can all be traced back to or largely traced back to candida overgrowth. Now, the same is true for other forms of bacteria. So think about strep bacteria or staph bacteria or bacillus bacteria or the pseudomonas bacteria, right? We know that all of those bacteria have the potential to cause a diseased state, an acute condition that can develop into a chronic condition in the body, right? But all of those bacteria actually play beneficial, supportive, and unique roles when it comes to the health of the gut microbiome. However, when these levels become too high, just like candida, this is when pathology symptoms start to present. So it's this whole picture here when it comes to the gut microbiome is that more of these bacteria aren't necessarily better. They all need to be present in balanced ways. So when it comes to candida, when it reaches this overgrowth state, we can see a picture of IBS, leaky gut, acne, uh, weight gain is, is one I often see with candida overgrowth, puffiness, puffiness in the gut, you know, the, the, the bloating, the inflammation in that area, puffiness in the face and the body, hormonal imbalances. And here's a big one that isn't often correlated to candida overgrowth, but estrogen metabolism issues. Uh, we can see that in PCOS. We can see that in menstrual irregularities. We can see that with some uh, breast cancers and other cancers that the capacity and ability to metabolize estrogen efficiently is diminished. And candida overgrowth often plays a partial to large role in this picture. So if you're wondering if you struggle with candida overgrowth, just ask yourself, like, did any of those symptoms resonate with you that um, I just mentioned? 
or do you struggle with feeling sluggish? Do you wake up feeling sluggish and unrested? These are some signs that you might be struggling with candida overgrowth, especially if you're overdoing kombucha or water kefir. Both of those are actually made from yeast. Okay, they're from made from a yeast culture. So the probiotics that you're drinking when you consume those beverages you're getting yeast. So if you get too much yeast, it doesn't leave enough room for the other beneficial microbes to grow and you start to develop a disharmonious, imbalanced microbiome. And when that happens, your body literally starts to present with physical, emotional, mental symptoms. So this is something to just keep in mind if you struggle with any of those health conditions, if you drink kombucha, if you drink a lot of water kefir, these are some things that I would encourage you to keep an eye out for. I also want to mention that candida actually helps the body detox heavy metals. That's one of its roles in the gut microbiome is to chelate heavy metals from the body. However, when you have candida overgrowth situations, the liver becomes overtaxed, the thyroid becomes sluggish, and heavy metals such as mercury, and this can occur from things like mercury fillings, light bulbs. So you might be thinking, what the heck, light bulbs and mercury, Heather, what, tell me about that. So if you have fluorescent light bulbs in your home, in your workplace, even LEDs, they release mercury vapor. You can read this uh, most notably on the fluorescent light bulbs. You know, you have to dispose of them in a special way. At least it recommends this on the outside of the light bulb. It has these little instructions and like blue color of how to dispose of, especially those long fluorescents, how to dispose of it properly. And so the main reason is because it has mercury in it. So when you flip that switch and turn it on, mercury vapors get released into the environment. Add on top of that all of the blue light toxicity that you all are familiar with from following me and listening to these podcasts and reading my blog and um, just from listening to other people in, in the field here, you know the detrimental effects of artificial light, uh, non-native blue light, now we need to add to that whole topic this situation around mercury vapor that's released into the environment when we use these type of lights. So even if you don't have mercury fillings, if you work or live in an environment that's artificially lit, you are going to you you can build a mercury toxicity uh, into your body. And what happens is when you have candida overgrowth, you can't chelate these heavy metals from your body. And this further compromises and contributes to the candida overgrowth, uh, patient's health and health struggles. I know some of this information might be a little bit new. Maybe it's a little bit overwhelming for, for some of you who have been following, you know, the mainstream approach to gut health, which I followed for a long time and didn't really make awesome progress with myself or my clients until I started to add in things like sunlight, which I'll talk about why and how that's important here in just a few minutes to the gut microbiome. But I hope this is inspiring you to look at the gut microbiome in new ways and underlying causes of candida overgrowth in new ways, because it's often related, yes, to our diet, but it's also related to our past health history the type of medications we've taken throughout our life as well. And I'm going to get there in just a few of, of what that looks like when it comes to prescriptions and other pathogens that you may have encountered and how this contributes to candida overgrowth and an unstable or imbalanced gut microbiome. But it's really important to understand that the gut microbiome it's meant to be this diverse environment. It's meant to have a lot of different beneficial bacteria teeming in that area, in your gut, right? And all of these bacteria work together. They feed off of one another. And if we do something like drink a lot of kombucha or eat a lot of sauerkraut, or if we focus on 
one or two primary fermented foods, we can cause an imbalance in our gut microbiome because the bacteria in those foods and or beverages, they're going to grow, right? You're going to encourage that bacteria to form in your gut. And then they're going to be, you know, those levels are going to increase, which decreases levels of other microbes or has the potential to anyways. And so this can create an imbalanced situation. I know a lot of us are told, you know, we go on Google, we read things, even healthcare practitioners, eat your fermented foods, you know, drink your probiotics, take your probiotics, etc. However, the gut microbiome, it's, it's a delicate area. It's a sensitive area. You don't want to just dump these <laughs> probiotics into your body without knowing if your, your gut microbiome actually needs that strain or strains of probiotics because you could create an imbalanced situation. Now, one way that I help people establish and determine what their gut microbiome actually looks like is by every client who comes to me, I, I highly recommend, I say, let's get a picture of what's actually going on in your gut microbiome. And so we do a DNA GI map stool test together. And what that shows is not only what kind of pathogens are present in your gut, but what are the levels of beneficial bacteria? So you know, if you were to just take a standard probiotic, let's say with lactobacillus in it and bacillus bacteria, and, you know, a lot of probiotics have things like strep bacteria. What if you had a strep overgrowth in your gut or a lactobacillus overgrowth, which I see really common in autoimmunity, and you take that, you're literally going to create an, an autoimmune response. Your body's going to have an immune reaction. And you're going to be like, wait a minute, what's going on? I feel horrible. I feel fatigued. I'm getting hives. I feel inflamed. I'm, I'm, I can't sleep. I've had people break out in hives from taking the wrong kind of probiotics. Literally, your gut is really sensitive. So before you put anything probiotic-related, fermented food-related into your gut, it's really a good idea to know what's actually in your gut before doing that. Personally, at this point in my life, I rarely eat fermented foods. I rarely drink fermented beverages. And this is because the gut microbiome is changing so frequently, right? If your gut microbiome is healthy, then those enterocytes, your gut cells are going to be turning over every 24 to 48 hours. And so then you'll have a new batch come through, right? And so that's a pretty quick turnover. It's a healthy turnover. We need that turnover in order to, you know, have healthy bowel movements and keep our immune system functioning healthy, right? Because 80% of the immune system is located in the gut. At least that's what the science is pointing to at this time. One day you might need a little bit more of the, that candida uh, bacteria, but then 24 to 48 hours when you have that turnover, Maybe you are exposed to more fungus in your diet, okay, or more yeasts in your diet. These are contained in many foods, and then you don't need as much, but you continue to drink kombucha or water kefir, and then you start to get this overgrowth situation. And so the more overgrowth situation we get, the less that turnover rate of 24 to 48 hours occurs in the gut. So literally, the turnover rate can slow down, it can become diminished, it can become too fast. You have diarrhea all the time, right? That's way too high of a turnover rate in the gut microbiome. So the gut is sensitive. And I personally don't focus on fermented foods or probiotic rich foods for this reason, because the gut is so sensitive and it changes or it's supposed to change depending on the season. So your gut microbiome should look differently in winter than it looks, say, in summertime because the light environment is different and the foods you eat when you're, when you're eating the metabolic resets and seasonal diet, your gut microbiome is going to be different depending on the time of year. So the gut microbiome is, is really complex. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to maintaining the health of the gut microbiome. And so 
we tend to uh, try to simplify it and reduce it to probiotic pills and foods. And while you know some of those things can be helpful depending on an individual's situation for a short term, these aren't approaches to improving the health of the gut that I recommend or suggest. We just want to keep in mind that the gut microbiome, it's a competitive environment. There's only so much room and space in the gut for the bacteria to take up residence. So, you know, as I just mentioned, if you have an overgrowth of candida or other bacteria, that leaves less room for other beneficial microbes to come in and take up residence, creating this symbiotic, healthy soil right in your gut. By doing so, like let's say you drink a lot of kombucha or you drink a lot of beer, which has a lot of yeast in it, right? Or um, you eat a lot of bread, which has a lot of yeast in it. Okay, so this is going to throw the entire gut microbiome out of whack because you're getting too much of one fungi or bacteria than others. And this is going to throw the whole balance out of whack. And when you do this, you are more susceptible to all of those things that, that I mentioned with your hormones, with your energy levels, with your sleep patterns, with your immune response, and with your susceptibility to uh, both acute and chronic diseases. So each gut microorganism plays a specific role in your health. For those of you ready to harness the healing potential stored in UVA sunlight to help improve the health of your gut microbiome and beneficial uh, microbiome colony located in your gut, I invite you to pick up a copy of the Sunlight RX ebook. The Sunlight RX teaches you in four simple steps how to improve vitamin D levels, melatonin, dopamine, serotonin levels. You'll learn how to maintain healthy thyroid function and optimal digestive health simply by following my four-step approach outlined in the Sunlight RX. More and more firsthand research continues to come forward, pointing the finger at sunlight exposure, not probiotic supplements, as the driving force behind the health of our gut. To get a copy and start practicing your Sunlight RX as soon as the next sunrise, head over to my site, heathershepherd.com, scroll down the homepage, and you'll see where you can purchase the Sunlight RX ebook. Now, let's head back to the episode. I want to give an example here because this is one of my favorite bacteria, and it's one that not a lot of people are familiar with. And I want to talk about it because in the last podcast, I talked about anxiety and this particular organism that I'm going to talk about here is beneficial E. coli. And when it's out of balance, it can contribute to things like anxiety, depression, and fatigue. And so I want to give this example as a way to, to just kind of show you how each gut microorganism or type of bacteria plays a specific role in our health, right? We see that with candida, one of them is to help chelate heavy metals from the body. Well, we also see, the thing is, is there's not a lot of examples of um, what this specifically looks like, like what certain microbes do beneficially because it hasn't been studied all that much up until this point. It's growing, but you kind of have to dig through the literature and piece things together in order to connect the dots. So we know that candida helps to chelate heavy metals, but also, I want to talk about beneficial E. coli because uh, a lot of people are familiar with pathogenic E. coli, its side effects, you know, the diarrhea, the watery diarrhea, the fatigue, the flu-like symptoms, the abdominal cramp cramping, right? However, this is one bacteria, and, an, and it's an example I want to give here because it feeds into this picture around gut diversity our environment, sunlight, and how this all works together to create a healthy gut microbiome. But beneficially, E. coli, when they're low in the gut, people suffer with depression. They suffer with constipation. They suffer with poor sleep. They suffer with poor mood. And they're often 
hit heavy with Epstein-Barr virus. So I'm actually not sure what comes first in this situation, the chicken or the egg, but I can say in my, my practice, individuals who've done the stool testing who have also had an experience or exposure to Epstein-Barr, and in what would that look like? It's like monoglandular fever, sleeping sickness. This is kind of how we know Epstein-Barr, you know, the mono, the glandular fever. 98% of them also have low beneficial E. coli numbers. So this is a beneficial bacteria strain that is also now becoming more widely known. And so they put it into a probiotic supplement strain, right? And so when a beneficial E. coli result comes up as low on the stool test, the answer is that most practitioners have is, oh, just take this supplement. Just, just take this strain of beneficial E. coli. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I've, I've tried that approach. And none of my clients got better by using that approach, but how they did get better when it comes to improving their beneficial E. coli levels is through UVA light exposure. This is one aspect of where sunlight comes into formulating the gut microbiome. So for those of you familiar with the Sunlight Rx, step two of the Sunlight Rx teaches you how to utilize and absorb UVA light to overcome depression, poor mood, fatigue, and compromised thyroid function. This step, step two of the Sunlight Rx that I outline in full detail in the Sunlight Rx ebook is designed to activate and improve beneficial E. coli numbers. When they're low, we often get those depression symptoms, poor mood, fatigue. And so the only way I've found to do this to improve beneficial E. coli numbers effectively from a root place is through harnessing the power of UVA light. UVA light activates beneficial E. coli numbers. It improves beneficial E. coli numbers. So this is a main way. We know how connected the gut-brain access is and that communication, right? And, and how when our gut is off, our brain is off. Beneficial E. coli is a huge uh, bacteria that helps, when it's balanced, helps to really regulate a healthy, functioning gut-brain access. I've seen people with personality disorders in my practice, borderline schizophrenia. They are on heavy antidepressants. They do their stool test. Guess what? Beneficial E. coli, very low. Did it help when they took the beneficial E. coli probiotic? Nope, it didn't. And so, um, you know, this situation needs a lot of sunlight to be rectified. So I'm tying in this sunlight piece. Um, I know this, this episode's about candida, it's about kombucha, but it's also about the gut microbiome. I, you, you can't talk about the gut microbiome and just single out one area like Let's just focus on candida because that would be focusing on the part and, and I'm all about focusing on the whole. We need to focus on the whole organism, the whole body, the whole unit, the whole system in order to get a full, accurate picture of how to approach our health, right? And the health of our gut microbiome. And the picture we've been painted around our gut microbiome is um, eat fermented foods, take probiotics. That's a very reductionistic approach to the gut microbiome. We need to expand our understanding of what actually makes the gut microbiome tick. This is a very clear example with beneficial E. coli that it doesn't matter if you take a probiotic supplement rich in that strain. If you're not getting that UVA light to stimulate that beneficial E. coli bacteria to literally grow that bacteria to healthy levels, then you're not going to effectively be able to improve that bacteria. So many people at this time, at least, they're not familiar, they don't understand, they can't comprehend that the gut microbiome 
and all the beneficial bacteria strains in the gut microbiome. Okay, not just E. coli, but literally all strains are influenced, they're regulated, they're activated or inactivated by the amount of sunlight you receive. This is something I've started to write a little bit about on my ancestral digestion uh, website. I have just a site dedicated to digestive health at this time. You know, you can head over there and read more about stool testing. You can read the blog that shares a lot about candida and kombucha, the, the link to sunlight and the gut, the link to sunlight and the immune system and the gut, the immune system of the gut. So we're just getting started with this topic. We're just starting to learn how light impacts the gut microbiome. And there's been one researcher in particular who has literally jump-started this whole breakthrough around the gut microbiome. And hopefully many scientists will follow suit and start to study the gut microbiome and, its, and how its exposure to sunlight or artificial light really determines its health and its function. You know, because we know that just being exposed to artificial light you're going to have an oversimplified gut microbiome. Oversimplified meaning it's not going to be diverse at all, which will compromise your immune system and will set the stage for things like obesity and cancer and type 2 diabetes. I've had gamers come into my practice. Um, you know, these people are up late at night. They're on their devices. They're playing games all night long. Their gut microbiome it's some of the worst gut microbiomes I've ever seen. And, and some of these people actually eat a relatively healthy diet. But when they're looking at that artificial light all day, uh, their gut microbiome becomes very, very compromised because they're not getting that signal. They're not getting the signals from sunlight that literally signal and activate certain strands of beneficial bacteria in the gut. So unfortunately, the science community has applied the, the reductionistic approach to probiotics, to the gut microbiome, to fermented foods, et cetera. And you know, their advice is take a supplement, take a probiotic. I wouldn't do that. I, I just personally, I wouldn't take a probiotic. I wouldn't overdo the fermented foods unless there's a special case, right? I've had people come into my practice. They've done the DNA GMAP stool test. We've seen what's there. And their lactobacillus numbers are really, really low. And they're not having, they're not going to the bathroom regularly. They're more constipated. And so what do we do for a short period of time? We work to increase their lactobacillus strains with certain foods, possibly a supplement. We combine that with the Sunlight RX, okay? And we do the foods aspect for a short period of time until they achieve their desired levels. And then it's all about maintenance, which you can do with the Sunlight RX and, and the Metabolic Reset Seasonal Diet. So we need to step out of, outside of our boxes when it comes to the gut microbiome because there's just no way a probiotic supplement or focusing on certain probiotic-rich foods is going to help you achieve all your gut microbiome needs. It's not possible simply because that's not their medicine. It's not their food. It's, it's not what they need to grow, right? It's like feeding a dog Purina puppy chow. It's like, yeah, they will stay alive for a little while, but they're not going to be very healthy. So probiotics, literally, they can cost a lot of money too. And I'm not saying this to be bring a downer on your probiotic supplementation or your fermented food endeavors. By all means, Explore this for yourself. Use that approach of how your body feels, how you're feeling physically, mentally, emotionally when you're eating these foods. Take them out. You know, be be your own experiment. That's how you're going to learn. That's how you're going to learn best. I'm just sharing what what I've learned is that those things don't get to the root of microbiome imbalances. They can cause more imbalances and more harm than good. Okay, so to finish off the episode today, let's dive back into the candida and kombucha topic because it's such a popular topic. It's such a popular drink. If you know anyone out there who 
has a kombucha addiction. I know I once once did um, because I thought, you know, hey, this tastes good. It was loaded with sugar. Um, and I'm getting something, giving myself probiotics, which were all yeast, which were feeding yeast in my gut. You know, if you know somebody out there like that, you know, I would encourage you to share this episode with them because so many people are being misled and misinformed when it comes to probiotics, gut health, as well as, you know, kombucha and is it really healthy or not. So kombucha, it's made from yeast cultures. It's a type of yeast. So when you get too much yeast in your body, okay, let's say from your kombucha addiction, even if you drink one kombucha a day, that's too much, right? The ancient strength, one to two shots a day, and this depended on the season, okay? So if you're drinking too much kombucha, water keeper, beer, if you're eating too much bread, drinking too much wine, drinking too many ciders, here's a, here's a good one because this is a question I get asked so often is about apple cider vinegar. Should I take a shot or two of apple cider vinegar a day? Everything on Google articles, you know, the back of apple cider vinegar bottles are like, this is amazing. It helps your body become more alkaline, etc. I'm not a fan of apple cider vinegar shots every day. If you're low in yeast cultures, which our world tends not to be low in them because of our poor diets and our, our modernized diets, then maybe you can use it for a short time in moderation. But I'm not a big fan of that because we tend to have too much yeast. We tend to be exposed to too much yeast, okay? And so this can further fuel that issue. Also, the same thing is true with vinegars. So these are all yeast-based foods. If your diet has a lot of those foods in it, you can bet that your gut microbiome has too much yeast in it. And so you, I would invite you to go back and, and just take a listen to, hey, what the symptoms that Heather correlated to candida overgrowth or yeast overgrowth, you know, do I have those? Do I have the endocrine imbalances? Do I struggle with fatigue? Do I wake up feeling unrefreshed? Do I struggle with my hormones? Do I struggle with estrogen metabolism? Do I struggle with obesity and losing weight? I would encourage you to just take a look at your diet and your light environment, okay? So if you have an overgrowth of candida in your body, what happens is your liver gets overtaxed and your detox pathways suffer. So heavy metals can build up and estrogen metabolism becomes compromised and the gut microbiome becomes compromised as well. So in addition to eating too many yeast-based foods, prescriptions, acne creams, things like, what's that really toxic acne medicine? I think it's Accutane and mercury fillings, the mercury vapor from the artificial lights. These all can contribute to increased susceptibility to develop a candida overgrowth situation and just an imbalanced gut microbiome in general, which is going to set the stage for just not feeling well and the symptoms you experience are going to be unique to you and the gut microbiome and the bacteria and or the pathogens that are in your own gut. I'm going to bring up one last uh, bacteria here because it's one that so many people struggle with or exposed to in our modern culture, which is streptococcus bacteria. Okay, so you have been exposed to strep, likely all of us have, just from um, this bacteria is really prevalent in our environment. It's in, you know, many of our fermented foods, especially commercially, especially commercial yogurts tend to contain a lot of strep bacteria. If you've had, a, if you've had strep throat, ear infections, which um, often contain strep bacteria, um, this is also a bacteria that's heavily influenced um, in its behavior by UV light. So usually people who are more susceptible to strep throat, ear infections, these individuals also tend to have a UV light deficiency just like that, just like the beneficial E. coli. Now, people struggling with a strep overgrowth this is one of the gnarliest bacteria I've ever seen. A lot of people are like, oh, candida overgrowth is horrible. And I'm not saying it's like, you know, you want to sign up for that or that it's awesome. Like, absolutely not. 
I've seen strep bacteria to be one of the most gnarly bacteria to have in the body. Our approach is when we have a strep infection is to take um, an antibiotic, right? And so what happens is our symptoms go away, but that strep bacteria doesn't. It gets pushed down into deeper layers of the body. And it often, uh, one of the places it goes to is the colon. This really disturbs the gut microbiome. I've seen people with elevated strep levels, with colon cancer, with estrogen metabolism issues, with poor sleep. They struggle with poor sleep. They struggle with poor energy levels. They struggle with constipation. Removing this bacteria is so key when it comes to improving the health of the gut microbiome. But also, I've seen people who struggle with strep also be more susceptible to candida overgrowth situations as well. A really proactive, effective way to help remove strep from the body. One, yes, I found homeopathics to be wonderful at this, but also the Sunlight RX. So simply by following the Sunlight RX, if you have an overgrowth of any type of pathogen in your gut, then I highly, highly recommend engaging in the Sunlight RX, getting your practice down and getting your gut in the sun. Your gut has to be in the sun. Your eyes have to be exposed to the light without contacts, without sunglasses, without glasses, because think about that gut-brain access, right? The light enters your eye. It signals to the gut what uh, the neurotransmitters that have just gotten activated, the brain uh, signals that just got activated, the neurochemicals that got activated. So keep this in mind when you're practicing your Sunlight RX. The bottom line when it comes to kombucha, okay? Avoid big commercial brands like GT Dave's. I'm sorry, I would just not recommend this brand. Their cultures are factory made. It's kind of like what I consider to be probiotic GMOs. I'm not a fan. I, I don't recommend that brand for many reasons. It's also high in sugar, but if you're someone out there and you're like, well, I do want to drink kombucha a, a shot glass or two a day just to see if that'll benefit my gut microbiome, avoid big commercial brands like GTs. There's another one that's a really, has a lot of, I've, I think it has one of the highest yeast levels. I think it's um, Health Aid. Oh, this is a US brand, um, but they're another big brand that I don't recommend. I would I would avoid kombucha altogether if you struggle with candida overgrowth, if you've had a lot of strep infections or suspect you have high levels of strep in your body from ear infections or strep throat as a kid, if you struggle with hormonal imbalances, if you struggle with liver detox issues like MTHFR, if you sense you have heavy metal toxicity, if you struggle with fatigue and you wake feeling unrefreshed, if you struggle with eczema or skin rashes, I would suggest if I were in your shoes, I would avoid kombucha and water kefirs and keep all those yeast foods that I described out of the diet. If you're someone who feels like your gut microbiome is relatively healthy and you don't want to get into a candida overgrowth situation, but you want to maintain healthy yeast cultures in your gut, learn how to make your own kombucha. I think there's... um a lady over at Kombucha Camp, and it may be Kombucha Camp, K-A-M-P, who actually has some really good stuff and tips and products and um, starter kits on how to get started with making your own kombucha, if that's something you want to do. Again, for maintenance issues, if you don't struggle with candida overgrowth or yeast issues or strep overgrowth, a shot glass size a few times a week to keep your beneficial yeast strains in healthy amounts, you know, play with, play with that. Um, see how you feel with that. See how your body feels with that. Keep yeast sources low in your diet. You know, water kefir, if you struggle with yeast, avoid that because that's also made from yeast. When it comes to candida overgrowth, if you're, you've, you've just listened to this episode and you're like, hmm, I, I some of those symptoms and and health effects that Heather described today in this episode. I wonder if I actually do have candida overgrowth. I want to mention that I found that standard tests for 
SIBO for candida overgrowth, they're not good. They're not accurate at all. You know, the breath test, the saliva test, it's so inaccurate. I, I wouldn't recommend that because these results can be inaccurate and misleading. And because of the sensitivity and delicacy of the gut microbiome, somebody can get those results and then it will send them down a path that they think is leading them somewhere. And oftentimes it can be pretty misleading. So if you want an accurate test, the, the most accurate test is number one, to go with your symptoms and how you feel. So if you feel like you struggle with fatigue, hormonal imbalance, all those things I mentioned in this episode, simply take those yeast-rich foods out of your diet, kombucha, water kefir, the breads, the vinegars, right? Take them out of your diet and see how you feel and take them out of your diet for, you know, start with a month and give yourself a little yeast detox and see how you feel. And then number two is you could do uh, a DNA GI map stool test. And this is a way to get a, a snapshot, uh, an overall picture as to not only the picture of candida in your gut and what level that's at, but all these other pathogens and beneficial bacteria levels as well. So you can bring this collaborative approach, holistic approach, this all-encompassing approach to what's actually going on in your gut microbiome so you can approach it in a, a really effective way. And if you're interested in doing that test, send me an email and, and I can set you up with that to get you the test if that's something um, you're inspired to do. So I know this episode, there, there was a, a lot going on about kombucha, candida, the gut microbiome. We talked about beneficial E. coli. We talked about strep. We talked about sunlight. These are big pictures, big areas, big topics to cover when it comes to the health of the gut microbiome these topics are often, we're often misled. Our research, our understanding around the gut microbiome is very, very juvenile. It's very basic. It's very, it's outdated. It's antiquated. It's, it's not super accurate. And hopefully this episode provided you with a much deeper understanding, uh, a much, uh, an eye-opening approach to the gut microbiome and what it actually needs to thrive, which is metabolic reset diet, seasonal diet, sunlight. If you do those two things, if you nail your Sunlight RX practice and the metabolic reset diet, your gut microbiome will be teeming with healthy levels, balance levels of beneficial bacteria. So here's to your new empowering knowledge around kombucha, the gut microbiome, and your health. I want to thank you all for tuning into the episode today and for your continued support around the podcast. This spring, I just teamed with an awesome podcast crew called Profitable Podcast, headed by Tara Counterman. She's a boss, she's legit, and is super amazing to work with. If any of you out there are searching for a reliable, trustworthy podcast team, this is it. I cannot encourage you enough to reach out to the Profitable Podcast team and to at least tune into our weekly podcast called The Podcast Podcast. She might be upset that I added that little um, shout out to her there, but literally this show could not go on, wouldn't be possible without the help of her and her team. So thank you guys so much. I hope all of you listeners enjoyed this episode about gut health, kombucha, and what truly makes the gut microbiome tick. I know when I stopped drinking kombucha and swapped my kombucha fix for the Sunlight RX and my metabolic reset diet, my gut health improved exponentially. For those of you who enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to post a five-star review with your comments and support. This is such an amazing way to fuel and motivate my continued podcasting and sharing via this platform and is a great way to help spread the word to others searching for deeper answers around their health. I thank you so much for that support. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at sunlight underscore rx on Facebook, Heather Shepherd, and visit me on my site, heathershepherd.com. The site is in the middle of an upgrade. It's, it's getting revamped. I'm super stoked about it. And um, when during this revamp, I'm going to have uh, my metabolic reset retreats 
courses and cookbook info located there for you all very soon. Keep up the awesome healing work, everyone, and see you next week. The Primal Pioneer podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease in the Western medical sense or terms. It is to be used for educational and informational purposes only. The information shared on this podcast and all of Heather Shepard's work is not a form of diagnostic medicine, nor is it a medical treatment. Heather Shepard is a health educator, radical health practitioner, and a trained EMF specialist. And although she has a bachelor's in science and master's education in alternative medicine, she is not a medical doctor and does not give medical advice. Her work and sharing is to be used for informational and educational purposes only.